oh my gosh, this community is so much more than consumers. It could be hard to step into that space. Can we fall in love with the underlying technology that powers a lot of these things? Yeah, it's easier, it's broader. The output is not always authentic or even sticky. Welcome to NFT Stees, a weekly podcast presented by Cointelegraph that delves into NFTs, culture, crypto, and all things Web3. I'm Alyssa Exposito, a freelance writer and educator in all things blockchain, Web3. And NFTs. And I'm Ray Salmon, head of markets at Cointelegraph and the other half of NFT Stees. This week, we're going to investigate how NFTs are being used outside of the creative and art space for, for real things, you know, like real estate investment, fractionalization of tangible collectibles like art, cars, many other things. That's kind of our focus in this part of the of our season is looking at NFT application in real life, right? Like let's get beyond yeah. just the whole grassroots and I'm a, a one-person creator. I've cut out the middleman. My product goes direct to the marketplace now and I get more adequate or like I get better equity and rev share out of what I do. Let's look at like how NFT and Web3 concepts can merge with existing industry and infrastructure to create more long lasting products. So uh, we've got JP Alanis here who began his career in television development at Lionsgate Entertainment, working on a, on a slate of shows that included Mad Men and Orange is the New Black. Uh, he then went on to co-create and lead Tyler, the creator's direct-to-consumer media venture and production company called Golf Media. Uh, afterwards, he oversaw content development, product, and technology, as well as sales of incubated projects to linear television, including The Jellies on Adult Swim and Nuts and Bolts on Viceland. Yes, and he's accompanied by his brother, Justin Alanis, that believes the greater levels of collaboration, access, and ownership that are made available by Web3 will result in the discovery of new dynamic creators and stories. He serves as a community co member at several DAOs that promote, invest, and foster emo emerging DAOs, including Seed Club, Meta Cartel Ventures, and Own Fund. Prior to his career in Web3, Justin was the founder and CEO of Renalytics, a data analytics technology company that was acquired by RealPage in 2018. Before venturing into the world of technology startups, Justin was a partner at a private equity firm, and he is also an active investor in the Web3 startups. So we have two amazing guests today that will talk to us all about how they're beginning to evolutionize franchising intellectual property, which is amazing and to me, it's going to be really, really nice to go down this um, this rabbit hole. Just for our guests to know a little bit about StoryCo, it is an open media platform where creators and passionate fans collaborate and co-create the next great story franchises and jointly participate in their success. So with that, I'm going to start off. I'll start off with Justin. You could answer this first, and then we could flip it over to JV. So I know that when we last met, you guys were known as StoryDAO, and we were discussing the premise and aim that you all had, which was to pioneer this create and own model. And when I was reading about the rebranding that, you know, it was going to be better reflective of your values, can you talk to us about that and what it really means to co-own IP and perhaps what have been the biggest benefits that you're starting to see already as an individual creator and project and what have been the barriers? 
Sure. Well, first of all, I want to say thanks for having us on. We are uh, very excited to um, share what we're doing at Storyco with you and your audiences and love the perspective you guys take on the market. So uh, very excited to be here. StoryCo uh, evolved out of <clears throat> StoryDAO originally. It was in March uh, where we announced StoryDAO. And with that, we created a core community of early producers. We launched what we call a producer token. And it was 300 people who we hand-selected via an application process. And we really wanted to create that early community to help us understand what it was that some of these amazing creators out there were facing, the challenges that they were facing, all the barriers that we thought we knew about with within Hollywood and what it takes to get into Hollywood and whether there were creators out there who were actually feeling that and who wanted to help us change the status quo. JP obviously comes from a media background and he saw and experienced this problem firsthand. When we first started, it was all about this really early community and starting to think about how do we solve this problem collectively through technology and community. So StoryDAO was born out of that. But as we evolved as StoryDAO and as the idea for what we were doing evolved, as we signed these amazing partnerships with A-list talented creators out of Hollywood for our first production, The Disco Ball, which we announced yesterday, we realized that we wanted to create a platform that really harnesses all of this energy, helps incubate and create new intellectual property. And we didn't think that StoryDAO was the right name for that platform. And so we uh, decided to call it StoryCo, and we bought the domain story.co. And co in the StoryCo, it really represents the idea of community, of collaboration, of co-ownership, of coordination. And we want this platform to be a place where everyone, whether you're a Web3 enthusiast today or not, um, or whether you are maybe even a Web3, uh, you know, uh, you don't believe in the idea of Web3 today, we want this to be a place where you can come in and we can abstract away a lot of the technology, the Web3 technology, and have it be this seamless, amazing experience for you to be able to co-create and collaborate with other amazing people and add to franchise intellectual property on the platform. So it seems like the the premise and the core aim is still there. It's just more now, logistically speaking, it's a little bit perhaps easier. Yeah, it's easier. It's broader. Uh, the idea is, is that we want to onboard the next many, many millions of people into Web3 without them even knowing that they're interacting with Web3. We've abstracted away even a lot of the terminology, the Web3 terminology, mm. Uh, where we're not calling them NFTs. We, for example, have a story pass for the Disco Ball. That's your pass to get into the Disco Ball, and it evolves over time, and, and it catalogs your journey through the story experience of the Disco Ball. And so there are ways in which we think that people right now have, I think, speaking of the last cycle, a bad taste in their mouth from a lot of the scams and a lot of things that were happening out there in the industry. But the underlying technology is really, really powerful in terms of allowing new forms of access, new forms of ownership. And so we really believe in the underlying technology, but we also want to be able to create a technological and community-based experience where it's not just about Web3 at all times. Yeah, I think uh, in this Web3 space, um, you know, we fall in love with terminology a lot, and we fall in love with the underlying technology that powers a lot of these things. 
And when we talk about, you know, onboarding the next um, wave of people that are coming in, when we get so obsessed with the engine that is powering all of this, not a lot of people buy cars just because of the engine, but they understand the core concepts when we talk about them more abstractly, right? When we talk about them as incentives and rewards and ownership, those are things that people understand. But when we get into, I think, specific terminology that might turn people off or, or people might not understand, and it takes another level of, uh, you know, Explaining. explanation. Yeah, exactly. And so I think what we wanted to do is, is create a platform that's really welcoming, um, especially to creators, right? Because I think there is, in the creative community, a wariness at some point of Web3, just based off all the sort of dialogue that happens outside of it. And uh, I think we wanted to create a platform that's really welcoming, but is powered by Web3 technology. And really, we're able to uh, abstract away a lot of the things, a lot of the terminology, and allow people, uh, but explain it in a way that is more broad, that people can understand. Um, but that's welcoming, that feels like you're going to a you know, Web2 platform that you can understand from the jump. It's interesting that you both, you know, are coming from it from an angle where, yeah, there are some Web3 elements that people who are not familiar with are unattracted to or perhaps a little bit standoffish by. But also in Web2, there are, you know, speaking in the creative spaces, there is a lot of unlearning that creatives have to perhaps do when we start to see more of this co-creating and co-owning because it's almost like they've never fully had that type of agency instead of having an agency actually tell them what to do or also have a middleman in which there's barriers and what they can produce. So when we, we talk about co-creating, co-owning spaces and platforms, I always wonder, because I often see that there is this unlearning to do when stepping into such a proprietary space, what are the ways that um, you all have approached the ethos besides like maybe shifting the language a little bit. I know that, uh, do you guys use, is it Discord that you guys perhaps talk the most about like where, where does your community find its hub and how do you guys actively give creatives the, the empowerment to be like, just go create, collaborate. Cause I feel like sometimes when you're siloed as a creative, it could be hard to step into that space. I think the the one of the key elements of all of this is that even though behavior change is, is tough, it's easier when there's an acute problem that people already feel on their day-to-day. And that's what's happening right now within premium IP development is that we have this really big issue within, we'll call it quote-unquote Hollywood, where you mentioned it, Alyssa, there is a need as a creator to get to move to LA, to get a manager, mm-hmm. to get an agent, to then create something and meet the right person at the right time in order to get it through to Netflix or Amazon Prime or whoever else it may be, one of the six basically distributors and, and funders that are out there. And it becomes this very, very difficult process and you feel like a lone wolf out there. And so what we're trying to do is create a new environment, a new way for people to be able to create premium IP together and have it be distributed um, through new technology. And so maybe JP can talk about what we're doing from a technology perspective and a platform perspective in order to harness a lot of this energy. Yeah, and and just taking a step back to address what you were saying, we are using Discord a lot. Uh, Eventually, those conversations will move 
um, to our platform once we have those collaboration tools um, built. But I think you hit on something that's, uh, I think, really relevant, which is how do you encourage people to start co-creating uh, from the jump, right? Like that is really, really, really hard when you just get into a Discord and you're like, hey, go be creative. That is an awful prompt to uh, to uh, sort of spur creativity, right? And I think we have this core ethos at StoryCo, which is it, it's really it's a lot easier to build off of something than it is to start co-creating from an initial uh, point, right? You need to have some momentum behind an idea, and I think that's why you see a lot of traction online and a lot of co-creation already around things like fan fiction, things that are built off of other things that people already know that they already have a basis of understanding in. And so that's what we're really trying to do at StoryCo. I, I think stories are best when they actually start more centralized uh -huh. uh, and they slowly grow and slowly become uh, more co-created over time. And that centralized creator can start to take advice from community. But the point of that central creator, and we call them story architects, uh -huh. StoryCo, is really to set the foundation for what that universe is. Take obviously, uh, you know, uh, notes from the community. But then, at a certain point, that creator has told a story, and hopefully, that story has onboarded a community of people that understands the characters, that understands the rules and the confines of the world. Has basically set up a sandbox, and that's a lot easier from a creative perspective to be invited into a sandbox and say, I know how to create with all of these tools, right? Like, I know how to create with these characters. I know what this world is like. I can now tell my own story that takes place in this world. And so I think that's what makes us a little bit different from a ethos point of view than, than maybe a lot of other co-creation of IP projects, which are just kind of like, we're going to tell a story about vampires. But we, I think, are more... Um, you know, one person is going to tell that story and then everyone is going to really branch off of that story. And and the point is to have thousands of those uh, centralized stories that take place on the platform uh, to engage those communities and build out thousands and thousands of new narrative universes so that if you're a creator coming onto the platform for the first time and maybe you love to write fan fiction, you have thousands of stories to pick from to be able to uh, engage with and and start co-creating on. There's something for everyone. That's that's really the point. And right now in traditional Hollywood, you have this divide between creators. Like if you're a creator, you're over here. And if you're a fan, you're over here. And in between, you have a distributor um, like, like a Netflix. And there's no real blending of the lines in between creator and fan. But yet... We have the the desire, and you you see it all the time out there with fan fiction and cosplay and all the rest of it, where fans want to become a deeper part of the creative process, want to help influence the direction of the creative process, want to help fund new creative processes. And so the lines are blurring now more than ever between fandom and creation. And you also have new tooling out there, right? That is blurring these lines even more. Like look at what's happening with, with the AI landscape right now. And so all these barriers are getting lower and lower and lower. And what we want StoryCo to be is basically the ultimate barrier like destroyer where creators and fans get just super like in, in this melting pot and you as a fan can create, you as a creator can be a fan 
and the blurring of the lines really goes away within our within our platform. Yeah, it's really interesting because we did have one of our first guests was Garib Seamus, the co-founder of Comic-Con. And basically how he started was uh, as a fan, you know, just writing, writing magazines. And it is interesting that we we're starting to resurface this back because I do think with the internet too, we are starting to see that user-generated content is very sticky and people, you know, really, really, really gravitate towards that because it's also real. JP, I'll say I agree. Centralization versus decentralization. It's a reoccurrent issue and topic in crypto, you know, trying to find the best way of involving the community and getting everybody's voice on board, heard, and applied is a challenge. Too many cooks in the kitchen happens with these discords and with when the IP and the story is too open and then uh, when it's too centralized, then people feel like left out and that just leads to them speculating on the project token or whatever. So I get what you're saying there. Justin, I'm a huge Dodgers fan, by the way. I, I know I'm repping my city hat for Astros because we we took it, but I always root for Astros, Dodgers, and this year the Mets because they were just better than the Yankees. And I don't like the Yankees, but, you know, props. I, re I recognize your hat. You guys got Mookie Betts. That's our dude, right? <laughs> so, uh, go Dodgers. Anyway. Yep, yep, yep. Go Dodgers. I, I love the colors. I got my Brooklyn Dodgers shirt in the closet uh, with number 42 on it. So, nice. My son has, my my love son has a goes. Brooklyn, a baby blue Brooklyn Dodgers 42 uh, jersey as well. So, yep, love it. Yep, yep. I got it on sale at uh, the MLBshop.com. <laughs> I got one for my daughter, too. But anyway, back to StoryCo. So since day one, in the crypto space, the narrative of success has always rotated around the need for mass adoption. And we see the same sort of story spin up in regards to NFTs, Web3, DeFi. And of course, in 2022, uh, we're now going to see the same examples of Web3 ideology and experimentation with NFTs from various, like, in 2022, we did see corporations, right, and the mainstream engage and interact and experiment with NFTs and with the ideology of Web3. But the output is not always authentic or even sticky. Sometimes it even comes off as being a gimmick. So obviously there's a need for more involvement from major players. We need major players and in major industry to interact with dApps and crypto stuff. But it's a tightrope, isn't it? So my question for you is, with what StoryCo attempts to achieve, what type of conversations and processes or standards have you put in play to quote unquote, do it right? Yeah, I think how we do it and how to do it right is, it's an ongoing conversation and it's a fluid one, right? Um, there is an evolving landscape that happens within Web3 that changes very, very rapidly. And how you, how you react to that as a business is, is super important. For us, our North Star has always been to create a really amazing early community and expand that within concentric circles where we move out and out and out and start to bring in a larger and larger audience. And we started doing that yesterday when we uh, announced the Disco Ball. We had a big exclusive in insider.com and we our Discord now has 10,000 people in it. So <laughs> we're... Uh, we're right before this call. We were we were struggling to figure out like, okay, how do we clean up our Discord and create 
meaningful conversations with now 10,000 people in there. Um, so yeah. these, are, these are problems that we need to solve and, and that we're facing actively right now. Good problems. Um, I, yeah, good problems, right? Um, I think one of the other things is that we have been on this mission to legitimize what we're doing uh, within the kind of legacy Hollywood um, industry as well. You know, we've got board, we've got board members and, and executives from UTA and WME, the two largest agencies in the world within StoryCo. We announced yesterday with the Disco Ball that we've got partnerships with Kyle Killen, who's an amazing showrunner, the executive producer of Halo and Fear Street on Netflix. And he's going to be the story architect for the Disco Ball. And we announced a partnership with Shelby and Sandy, who are amazing artists, 500,000 Instagram followers collected by Drake and Margot Robbie and the Kardashians and so on and so forth. And they're the story artists for the disco ball. And so there's this legitimacy that I think we get as a result of having some of these amazing names alongside us in this journey. And what we are really focused on is making sure that this project doesn't get lost in the hype cycle, given the big names that we have and now the activity that we're experiencing. And we continue to just focus on delivering really high quality, not thinking about monetization at all right now. Like we're not out there to just sell a PFP, for example. We're out there to yes. create a really meaningful and unique experience because we believe that this project, StoryCo, can become one of the most powerful public goods in existence over the next 15 to 20 years. Love that. that you know, the, the idea that you can have a public good, a storytelling platform as a public good is a really, really powerful one in our opinion. And so we're starting to think about how do we go from here to there over time in a way where it, it gives it the most chance for, for success in the future. Yeah, and I think that, that kind of speaks to this push and pull between project and platform. And that is a, that is a tightrope walk, right? I mean, we have a project, it's it's the disco ball, but we are we also are building this platform that Justin's talking about. And the platform is the most important thing that we are building, right? Because the platform is going to be for everyone. It's to enable creators. It's to enable people to come in and and tell their own story. And those are people who would have never had the chance to tell a story in an engaging way. They just don't have the tooling or they can't move to Los Angeles and, and get an agent. And there's all these barriers. So the platform is the most important thing. But the thing that's going to get attention first is a project, right? I always like to think of it like Nintendo. Every time they release a console, they always create a Mario game. Um, and that Mario game is obviously to engage an audience in that and get people to buy that console. But what that game is really meant to do is show the capability and the breadth of what that new console can do. And that's what the disco ball is to Story Down. I mean, Story Co., I'm so sorry. Uh, <laughs> I still got to get out of the habit. You know, the Disco Ball is meant to be this project that shows what the platform is capable of and, so that we can inspire people to say, you can create your own story just like this on our platform. And that push and pull in terms of where our resources go, in terms of where our attention is, it's a constant tightrope walk. But we always have to, I think, keep in mind that the platform is the core thing we're building and uh, the Disco Ball and the projects are what is going to bring audience to that core thing that we're building. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to ask you, but I think it's an irrelevant question now, but I wanted to ask you, was alienation a concern that you had when thinking about the goals that you set out to achieve? But I don't think the question's relevant because 
Web3, crypto, there's so much market share. There's so much territory. There's so much room for ideation. Like Starbucks can do whatever they want with NFTs and it has no impact with what Board Ape Yacht Club aims to do. There's different subsets of user and potential customer, collector, so on and so forth. So um, I think that question's not really relevant because the goal is to onboard more people and there's so many different types of people so I want to skip forward to music because I was looking at Disco Ball and it does have a musical a musical component. Mm. So what role do you think music and, you know, specifically what role will music NFTs play in story co-content? Give me some ideas on how your work with Tyler, the creator, could have been extended into Web3 stuff. If Web3 was on and popping and it was the buzzword at that time, if NFTs were blowing up like, as Tyler, the creator who ha- who now has like a 10 or a 15 year career, right? If they were a thing when he was doing his thing and still underground and transitioning into the mainstream, in your work with him, how would you have um, ha- used music NFTs? It's a great question. Let me answer the first part of that question, how uh, music and NFTs um, play into Storyco uh, content first. And then let's move into the, the Tyler, the creator question, because I had a lot of thoughts about that and I love that. You know, uh, we we do have uh, artists, uh, musical artists that are doing all the music for the Disco Ball project. And I think there's a way that music NFTs can layer into that, uh, at least for the Disco Ball. Um, those NFTs are not really music-based, at least how we're thinking about them right now. But we believe that, you know, StoryCo is going to be a place for all creators, right? Not just writers, uh, not just uh, people who want to make movies, but also musicians. Because the point is for a lot, you need a lot of different types of creatives to come together to make something amazing, right? And that's why we paired together a writer, uh, artists, and musicians to collaborate on one project, make something together um, that is greater than the sum of their parts. They could never individually make, um, you know, the the, the disco ball, right? Uh, They all needed each other. And I think um, we want to be a place where uh, people are able to uh, find creatives uh, that are outside of their skill set. You know, if I'm a writer, I need a, a musician. I need an artist to help me bring my idea to life. That's the the social network side of what the Story Code platform will be for you to find collaborators um, to build out a, a story universe that is in your vision. So that's I think how music and uh, musicians play into the platform. And getting in um, to the second question about Tyler, you know, it, it was pretty early on in terms of digital distribution of content and, and direct consumer content that we started uh, Golf Media. It was really one of the first um, direct consumer media plays. Um, this was back in, you know, 2014, 2015. We created it as a way for Tyler to put out whatever Tyler wanted to put out to his audience in terms of content. Because... Tyler wasn't interested in getting notes from, uh, you know, uh, a bunch of networks on what he wanted to do. He wanted to create without restrictions, um, and he didn't want to go through that rigmarole, Too right? Shit. Like, and it is, uh, and he, I think it was just very grating to him. So uh, he wanted to make exactly what he wanted to make, and he wanted to deliver it to his audience. Um, and we thought that he had captured enough audience where if they were paying $5 a month, then we could fund 
pretty much anything Tyler wanted to create. And we did. We created, I think, almost 30 short-form original series. Uh, there were short-form series, but we made them. But I think uh, the golf media shifted at a certain point where we kind of realized, oh my gosh, this community is so much more than consumers. They are creators themselves. And I, I don't think that uh, there's a more creative fan base than than Tyler sure. um, than Tyler has been able to cultivate. You know, he it's full of of other musicians. It's full of artists. And people started sending us their artwork. People started sending us their animations. People started sending us their music. I think that's what caught me really off guard by the whole thing, right? Like this was supposed to be Tyler to his audience. And what I didn't expect was the audience back to Tyler. And, and we started incorporating some of that stuff into the content that we were making. Not only were we asking our audience, you know, hey, y'all, what do you want to see? <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll go and make it. You know, we had a show where people could just vote on what that person did. And that was amazing, but didn't expect all the incoming. And we actually were able to take some of those people who were sending us stuff and incorporate them into the content that we were making. You know, we... Very symbiotic. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, those are people that never would have had the chance to contribute to a television show. But when we had our show on Viceland, we used music that came from our fan community in our television show. We Very used animations that came from our community in our television show. Those folks never would have had the opportunity to contribute to a television show. They live uh, all around creation. the country, all around the world. And I think that's what kind of was the unlock for me in terms of creating StoryCo, which was, I think there's a way to uh, scale this, and not just through the lens of Tyler, but to give a platform to all of these people because I think what we were struggling with is an incentive and reward mechanism for those people. Right? We had to, um, you know, sign contracts with them and 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 bring them on as contractors, and it was a long process for someone bureaucracy. to contribute. And and there's a better way to do that, and crypto unlocks that in a, in such a, a, a fantastic way. And and that's I think the foundation of of, of the thinking um, of me moving from that space learning from that space. And then, you know, my brother <laughs> really indoctrinated me into Web3 and I was kind of rolling my eyes for maybe a year, <laughs> uh, maybe more. Uh, but then I, I think- I was like, that's it? <laughs> yeah, just, yeah. And so he, um, and then I really realized that this was the, this was the key that I had been looking for uh, kind of my whole career. So a long answer to that question and I'm sorry, but um, yeah. No, great answer. What I take away from that is what you guys were doing was a really early form of Web3, like the decentralization of creator marketplaces. But yeah, without the blockchain, and that was the kind of like catalyst that allowed you to realize what you're doing now. At this intriguing and interesting moment, we're about to take a break. Ray and I have discussed with JP and Justin Alanis from StoryCo a lot more, including soulbound tokens, music NFT integrations in Web3, and how to co-create and franchise intellectual property IP in the Web3 ecosystem and beyond. Only thing is that the recording was so captivating that it was a little bit too long for one single podcast episode. So you're going to want to stay tuned and listen to the second episode and part of our conversation, including what I just mentioned above. Soulbound tokens, 
music NFTs, and how to co-create and franchise intellectual property. Can you imagine that? I hope that it will captivate you and grab your attention just as much as it did us. We could talk about it for days, but until then, hope to catch you next Friday for part two of our conversation with JP and Justin from StoryCo. Hope you have a good one. Bye.